Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Gabby. And I'm Rob. And this is Dark Origins Podcast, a podcast where I tell Rob about the inspirations behind all mediums of art. So TV shows, movies, books, music, folklore, etc. And sometimes we'll talk about times where art has inspired life. Yeah. What's this one about? We're going to be doing a podcast about a time where art has inspired life this time. These ones usually freak me out. Yeah. So this podcast is about... A murder, well, a double murder that occurred where the person was going to use the Matrix defense. Oh, well, I mean, that's I mean, that's obvious. We're obviously living in a simulation. So that is obviously what the Matrix defense is, is that (laughs) the person thought that life was a simulation and nothing was real. So the murders that they were committing, they weren't hurting real people. They were hurting people in the simulation and trying to get out of the simulation. Yeah, they're avatars or whatever. And like they come back and they're just going to be like, I'm back. Well, that was wild. Yeah. Well, what's weird, because in the Matrix, that's a a terrible analogy for this guy to use because, or woman, whatever. um, Because if you die in the Matrix, you die in the real world. Yeah, but... What they are thinking, because the Matrix defense has been used multiple times, and it's just like a type of insanity plea, basically. But um, what they are thinking is that the people that they are killing are a part of the Matrix. They don't think that they're oh, real people. Like they're NPCs, not like they're real people plugged into the Matrix. Okay. How did you not get that? Well, because whenever I think of being in the Matrix, I think we're all in the Matrix because... That's what the Matrix is about. It's about us all being plugged into the Matrix. Right, but the the but bad guys in the Matrix are people in the simulation. So the Right. We'll get into it, but this guy really identifies with Neo, the main character, the protagonist. Hacker kind of guy, loner hacker guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, not a hacker guy, but definitely a loner. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So 
One of my biggest fears is being on the phone with someone I care about when all of a sudden something terrible happens to them, a car accident, health emergency, or worse. The thought of hearing everything happening on the other line but being unable to do anything about it makes my heart start pounding just thinking about it. Yeah, that would be horrible. Yes. Like, do you hang up and call the police right away or do you stay on the phone a little longer so you don't miss something important? Like... If they are being hurt by someone, what if they say their name? You know, all of these decisions that you have to make in a second and that's all you can do. There's nothing else that you can do. You got to hit the three-way call button, right? Like you you add a call. I honestly would not think about doing that, but I guess, yeah, you could. This did happen to a woman named Tiffany Cook on February 17th, 2003. She was on the phone with her father, Paul Cook, when she overheard her mother, Margaret Ruffin Cook, say something to her brother. She said, Joshua, you wouldn't. That's what she heard her say. And then she heard a series of popping sounds. Joshua shot his mom first, just grazing her before turning his attention towards his dad. With nowhere else to go, Joshua's father tried to hide under the desk, but it was of no use. There was a brief pause as Joshua ran upstairs to reload his 12-gauge shotgun. As he ran back downstairs, his mom looked up at him and asked him what he was doing. I cannot even imagine the fear that she must have felt. He didn't answer. Instead, he raised the barrel of the shotgun to his mom's face and pulled the trigger. He stepped over her body and shot his dad one more time. As both of his parents lay dead on the floor, Joshua picked up the phone. Tiffany, his sister, asked him to put her dad back on the phone. She said, Josh, what are you doing? Let me talk to daddy. He responded saying, I need to call someone before hanging up. Joshua proceeded to drink a can of Coke, then call the police and tell them, I just shot my parents. I just blew them away with a shotgun. 12-gauge super magnum. Get your asses over here. What the fuck? Yeah. With snow making it difficult to get to his house, Joshua called 911 again to see why they hadn't gotten to him yet. How How are the police not there yet? That's what I'm wondering. Like, what is happening? That's what he's wondering, too. But... It was snowing really hard, so they were having trouble getting to his house. But yes, he's also wondering why the police are not there. So is everybody else. Yeah. He was calm, but he later recalled that the murders were not what he expected. This is because he thought that they would feel the same way he felt when watching The Matrix or playing a video game. He had become obsessed with the movie. The plan to kill his parents may have been put into motion two days earlier when he bought a shotgun and ammunition from Galleon's sporting goods store i think is how you pronounce it but violent fantasies had been plaguing him for much much longer a seemingly lonely young man he immersed himself in video games and movies his favorite video game was grand theft auto and his favorite movie was the matrix the matrix i'm gonna say this obviously everyone probably knows what the matrix is but i'm just gonna say it just in case anyone listening does not know what the matrix is The Matrix is a hugely popular movie about humans fighting against the Matrix, which is the simulated reality that they don't realize they're living in. The simulated reality is run by intelligent computers in order to feed off of human bodies for energy. Would you say that's a pretty good... Yeah, I mean, they're using human bodies as batteries. Yeah. And the the way it works is like they're plugged in, literally, with like a thing in their neck and spine and a few other places on their body and they're kept in these pods and you find this out when neo played by keanu reeves wakes up and well he's awoken really and then they go about 
trying to fight the machines, right? And and there's a lot of philosophical questions that are asked and answered and it's a it's a very deep, interesting film series. Yeah. The idea of the Matrix or a simulation is obviously not new. Like it's been around much longer than the Matrix. So like you said, there's a lot of philosophical questions that are pondered in the movie because it's something that humans have been talking about for a long, long time. Yep. Like what if and what would it be like and what would happen if AI really did take over? Yeah. Because, you know, one thing is, you know, they don't need an environment like a like an oxygen. Right. Mm -hmm. So they just continually ruin the the environment around us. Yeah. And keep us in these little pods. And then even if we did wake up, basically the earth is inhabitable Mm -hmm. or uninhabitable. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Good movie. Good movie. It is a very good movie. So at 20 years old, it seemed that the lines between fiction and reality were becoming blurred for him. He strongly identified with the protagonist, Neo, like I mentioned earlier, and he even began to dress like him. He bought a similar black trench coat, black boots, and black wraparound sunglasses. When he was home alone, he would dress up as Neo and listen to the Matrix soundtrack through his headphones. He would occasionally don this outfit in public, too. It attracted a lot of attention and not necessarily good attention, but Josh didn't care. And I'm calling him Josh now because it seems like that is what a lot of people refer to him as, but Mm. I'm not, maybe he goes by Josh one. I don't know, but I just saw a lot of people referring to him as Josh. So, okay. Okay. I might accidentally switch back and forth though. Josh said, I felt like it was drawing attention to me when he was wearing the Neo outfit, like Hey, he looks like the guy in the Matrix. He looks like one of those guys from the Columbine shooting. Any kind of attention was good, negative or positive. I just wanted it. I didn't have any kind of love or understanding for Dylan Klebold, the guy in Columbine, but I just thought if I resembled them, maybe somebody would point at me and people would look at me and say, look at him. Does that make any sense? I know it sounds weird. I felt like nobody wanted me, and maybe if I could get some kind of attention, any kind of attention, somebody might come up to me and talk to me. Mm. He also chose his weapon based on the movie. He chose the 12-gauge shotgun because it resembled one of the weapons that Neo used in The Matrix. It was a normal day in the beginning. Joshua had helped his parents shovel the snow before going upstairs to play video games. Something was off, though. He recalls not feeling right. At one point, he stands up and looks at the Matrix poster on the wall, puts the song Bodies by Drowning Pool on, which, do you know that song? Yes, I do. Okay, so that's playing in his ears while he's doing this. and makes the decision that will forever alter the lives of him and his family. It's really hard to understand the motive at first, but his defense offers up an explanation. Joshua and Tiffany had been adopted by the Cooks in 1989. Joshua was six and Tiffany was five. Paul Cook was a financial advisor for Lockheed Martin, and Margaret Cook was a retired IBM executive, so it's safe to say that they were doing well financially. They lived in an idyllic neighborhood in a beautiful 11-room house with a pool, but Josh was breaking down inside. He had been bullied badly in high school before failing out of college his freshman year. He had a hard time attracting girls and making friends, so he spent most of his time alone, falling deeper into a fantasy world. He tried to enlist in the Marines after he failed out of college, but they wouldn't accept him because his eyesight was poor. He had no choice but to live with his parents while working at jobs that he hated. On top of all of these external factors, it seems like Joshua was dealing with some internal issues as well. 
His mental health was obviously suffering, and a look at his family history shows that he was predisposed to certain illnesses. His dad had schizophrenia, and he physically abused Joshua's birth mom, and his mom had also been diagnosed with schizophrenia. So if two parents are diagnosed with schizophrenia, I believe you have about a 50% chance of getting it. I think if one parent is diagnosed with schizophrenia, I think you have like a 10% chance of getting it, but I'll double check that. That's interesting. 10% chance from one, but then it quintuples? Yeah. Yeah, genetics were never my strong suit. That's interesting. I know a little bit about genetics, but not enough to sit here and explain it to you from my head, you know? Oh, I'm disappointed. I thought for sure you'd know this verbatim. <laughs> I mean, the way you were able to describe how Parkinson's works. <laughs> I mean, you guys should have heard this. It was unbelievable. She's shaking her head, but she knows for sure that it was incredible. No, it was not incredible. Just, you know, it'd be like you explaining coding or something to me, you know? No, writing software is nothing like explaining how... Never mind. It, it Never mind. Yeah. I, although yeah. writing software is cool and I'm awesome. Whatever. I, I get it. <laughs> I'm I awesome. I'm so good at what I do. I'm not even that good. but <laughs> No, yes, you are. I'm getting better. That's for sure. Um. Okay. Before he had been adopted by the Cooks, Joshua had experienced trauma with his birth parents and foster parents. Yeah. You said that his dad beat up his mom, right? His birth father beat up his birth mother. Yeah. Yeah. The violence that his birth dad perpetrated on his birth mom was not in secret. Joshua was often a witness to it. Tiffany and Joshua both remember their birth mother being abusive towards them as well. So they remember their birth father being abusive towards their birth mother and they remember their birth mother being abusive towards them. Their birth mom used to make them hit each other with switches if one of them misbehaved. His birth mom allegedly sexually assaulted Joshua as well. So that's their birth parents that we were just talking about. Now we're going to move on to the Cook's yeah, parents. Right. Depending on who you talk to, the Cook's household was either very wholesome and loving or it was more controlling and rigid. Tiffany remembers her parents fondly, saying she doesn't remember any times where her parents were anything other than loving. Joshua's old friends, the few that he had at least, said that his parents were incredibly strict and really hard on Joshua. Josh felt that his mom argued with him a lot, and he has a hard time recalling any happy memories with her when asked. He is able to recall some happy memories with his father, but he doesn't do it enthusiastically. He describes being a little boy, wanting affection from his parents, and being pushed away. Joshua struggled with bedwetting, nightmares, speech, hearing, and vision problems as he was growing up, and after being adopted by the Cooks, Joshua says that his bedwetting really angered his mother. He said she would push his face in the urine or she would slap or choke him while she called him stupid and disgusting. She also restricted his access to TV and food if he didn't perform well enough in school. The kids would not get dinner if they made any mistakes in school. But this is coming from Josh, not the sister. So this is, yes, this is coming from Josh. This is what the sister says. Tiffany does back up some of Joshua's claims. She says that it is true that her mom would slap them and make them sleep in their wet beds if they had an accident, and she would restrict access to food if they didn't do well enough in school. Tiffany said her mom's motto was, quote-unquote, no work, no eat. She believes that all of Joshua's other claims are exaggerated, though. Well, if you're not going to give your kids food, yeah, 
that's going to, that trickles into other areas. And sometimes abuse is, is, um, perceived differently. Yes. And affected, affects people differently. Absolutely. And especially because Tiffany, it sounds like had an easier time kind of making friends and socializing, whereas Joshua had a really hard time with that. And, you know, I think that it maybe it did affect them differently because Tiffany has support and love outside of the household. Joshua doesn't. Joshua is also not doing as well in school as Tiffany. So he has his mom's more angry at him. Yeah, getting less food, all of that. Um, so his brain can't function correctly. Right. It's just and like he's a, growing and yeah, I mean, this is. It's like a cyclical it's a thing. Recipe for disaster, apparently. Yeah. That's awful. It is. It is. I'm awful. not trying to victim blame at all here. I'm, I'm just saying like. Whew, right. No matter. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Like all these. It, it seems common with people that end up killing people that they had some. Some sort of terrible things happen to them early in life. Yeah. Not always, but usually. Yeah. You know, whether it's perceived or real and or a combo. And it's just unfortunate. You yeah. know, a lot of people come out of horrible homes and are well adjusted. You have no idea. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's why I never say like mental illness or trauma does not make a person violent at all. Right. But it can contribute it can contribute yes it can contribute um but the majority of people who come from you know or who you know have had trauma in their past are not ever gonna murder anyone and the majority of people with any type of mental illness are not gonna murder anyone also people with mental illness are usually at a higher risk of being victims of a violent crime sure not perpetrating a violent crime so I think most people know that, but I just want to make that very, very clear that I am not blaming his actions on his mental illness, on his trauma, on video games or on movies. This is just what the defense is laying out. Yes, of course. Yeah. So how does this go from here? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Tiffany agrees that these parenting tactics did foster resentment from her as she grew up, but she says that by the time she finished high school and went to college, that she loved her parents more than she thought she could. She said she had fallen in love with them. Obviously not in a romantic way, but she had yeah, obviously I- realized how much she loves them and appreciates probably you know 
their parenting. And I'm assuming part of it is she had grown to understand why they did certain things. Some of the things that her parents did, I I don't really want to get into what I think of it. Um, but would I personally ever do those things? No. Like if I had kids, no. I. That's not how you choose to raise children, right? Right. But, but she is saying that despite, you know, all of that, she... It made her who she is today, right? Forgiven them and she loves them. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't agree with all the stuff my parents did, but I know that they did the best they could. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think that she, even though there was some bad stuff and some bad times, it sounds like there's also a lot of good stuff and a lot of good times. And she really appreciated all of that. Joshua, on the other hand, had grown further and further from his parents. They were already disappointed in him for his poor grades, but things got worse as he started to grow up. At one point, he met a girl at church who seemed interested in him. Remember, there's like never been a girl that's been interested in him. So this is big for him. Right. So he asked if he could write her a letter. She said yes and asked him to send a picture of himself as well. And he asked if she'd like to see a naked picture of him. She said, sure. So he sent a few to her. They were close-up shots of his genitals, and unfortunately for Josh, the girl's parents got the letters before she did. So they called Josh's parents, who were appalled at the situation. Josh said that everything changed after that. His dad had a hard time looking at him or speaking to him, but things got even worse when his dad walked in on him masturbating one time. He looked at Josh and said, you're disgusting, and told him that he was like scum. What? Yeah. Um, Okay. How old was he when he sent this letter? He doesn't specify, I don't think, but I I think like 15, 16. I'm not totally sure. I mean, obviously, you cannot be sending pictures of, you know, your genitals as a child. That's child pornography. Right. But as we've seen, a lot of children have done that. It's not that Yeah, when that you're that abnormal. age, it's not, I mean, it's not okay, but it happens, right? Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not going to condone it, but at the same time, like... That's normal behavior. Yeah, like a lot of kids do that. Send pictures of themselves to other kids. Like it's, I know when I was growing up, I knew a lot of people who did. It's, all I'm saying is that it's not that weird. Like it's It's not 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 something where you would think like that your parents would not be able to even look at you or talk to you again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just doesn't seem like the type of thing where you would be like, you are disgusting, and I don't ever want to talk to you or see you again. Especially masturbating. I mean, that that especially everybody yes, does that because that is a very normal part of growing up. So yeah, I I mean, if you're gonna have kids, it's like this is something that you're gonna eventually have to talk to them about. They're humans. Yeah. So all you can yeah. do is guide them. Exactly. Yeah. My thing is because a lot of this is coming from Josh and Tiffany is saying, I think a lot of the things that he's saying are exaggerated. I don't want to come off as if I'm saying the parents were terrible parents because that's not what I'm saying at all. All that I am telling you is what Josh has said, what he, you know, getting into the intricacies of his relationship with his parents. I think that it gives us at least a little bit of knowledge as to how he perceived the relationship, which is what's most important because that's what, you know, your perception of things is what is going to influence your behavior. So, and even if no one deserves to be murdered, 
no one deserves to be murdered ever. So there's no reason why yeah, this that is would not, justify, you know, murdering no, anyone. No. So it doesn't matter what you've done. But like I said, I'm just, you know, talking about what he said. And I think it's also especially interesting because him and his lawyers have come out and said, you know, these video games and these movies, the violence, it really caused me to have violent fantasies. But then when you really get into like the nitty gritty of what is going on with his life, it seems like a lot of it is problems with his parents, the people that he killed. Like he said at, you know, different points in different interviews that he hated them. And basically he hated them. He hated himself. He hated life. And he just wanted it all to end was pretty much what he said. So it seems like it might not have been as influenced by the movies and video games as Maybe the defense wanted everyone to think so at first. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking that too because really like this guy's got all these problems with his parents and all of a sudden it's Neo's fault. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Josh's loneliness grew as he got older. He had no desire to socialize with others or get out of the house. He just wanted to play video games in his room. This led to the few friends that he had as a child to distance themselves from him because their interests started to change. So... They want to go out and do other things, and all he wants to do is talk about and play video games. Like, sure. he didn't really, he never talked about anything else. So, they kind of just grew apart. College was another thing that he felt forced into by his parents. So, he did not want to go to college, but he said, Okay, I'll try it because I know you guys want me to go. It didn't take long for him to flunk out, and he partially blames it on his inability to attract women. He felt ostracized the only time he went to a bar because he felt like he was the only man there who was unable to find a girl to dance with. Had a little bit of an incel thing going on, huh? Kind of seems like it. Like he, It seems like he's not really understanding how to talk to and treat women like he... Humans. Right. He like (laughs) went to this bar thinking that he could just go ask a girl to dance and she's just supposed to say yes because he asked politely which is right. not how it works like right. it you might get isn't. lucky and she says yes but yeah it's not how that usually goes yeah like uh if a woman is not feeling it they're not gonna want to dance with you yeah, and that's okay fine. because fine. not everyone want, gets along with everyone they're not else. gonna be vibing they're not feeling your vibe yeah doesn't matter what bop is on don't say that his current job at Jiffy Lubed seemed to help him connect with other men, though. Some of his coworkers tried to befriend him, but they had to admit that there was something different about him. Lorenzo Ramsey, one of his coworkers, said, All the guys at Jiffy had nicknames, Mac Dog, Hannibal, Seven, and Lulu, but we could never come up with any nickname for Josh. I don't know why. He was just different. He also added that Josh seemed to be a very gentle, apologetic person. He would apologize profusely for minor things, and he had a habit of really beating himself up when he made mistakes. Ramsey had many strange stories about Josh. Lots of them revolved around women and sex. Josh admitted to all the men he worked with that he was a virgin, which resulted in them teasing him about it. Lorenzo, trying to be kind, says he pulled Josh aside to tell him not to say things like that to everybody. You know, to keep yourself from getting made fun fun of. of. Which isn't right. A couple weeks later, Josh came in and claimed he had lost his virginity to a sex worker, but it's not clear if that's true or not. Seems kind of like maybe he was just making that up so that everyone, so that he fit in or felt like he fit in. Sure. 
Often, all the men at Jiffy Lube would go out to the strip club after work, but Josh never went with them. They were able to convince him to go one night, and he spent the night in awe of the women around him. Apparently, he may have paid for sex again with a sex worker at the club, but again, it's not clear if that's true or not. Okay. Lorenzo said that the morning after, Josh came in looking upset, and he told the guys that he wouldn't be able to go out with them anymore because his parents didn't like it. So at this point, he's 18 or 19, so he is an adult. Um, Yeah, but he's still living at home. You have to live under mom and dad's rules if you're still living at home. When Josh's lawyers looked through his room, they were astounded at the clear infatuation with the Matrix. They collected everything for evidence because they planned to use the Matrix defense. The Matrix defense, like I described earlier, but I will describe it one more time, falls under the umbrella of the insanity plea. The defense claims that the defendants believe that they are living in a simulation like the Matrix. They don't believe that the world around them is real. They wanted to argue that the combination of Josh's trauma and mental illness made him particularly susceptible to violent movies and video games. The prosecution argued that millions of people had seen The Matrix and the majority of them did not go on to harm anyone. Majority? Like basically basically everyone. Yeah, um, there might have been eight people. I did almost get into a fight while watching The Matrix in a movie theater in Flint. Why? Because my chair was squeaking. And someone and, got mad at you? Yep. He moved and sat in front of me and said, squeak that chair again. There's going to be a problem. And oh, every what time. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And then every time I breathed, the chair would move. What? That's really fucking weird. Ultimately, Josh chose to take responsibility for his actions and pled guilty to two counts of first degree murder and two counts of using a gun in a felony. So they ended what? up not trying to use the Matrix defense. That was, They were like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. It, it seems like that was part of the reason that they chose not to use it was they were thinking that it just wasn't going to, yeah, it just wasn't going to be enough. It wasn't going to work. But and I, I think there might have also been a part of Josh that did just want to take responsibility for it. In interviews that he's done since his sentencing, he says he feels more tranquil now and he claims to feel a ton of remorse for the crimes he committed. So one of the things that he said is that he feels like he has kind of gotten in prison what he was looking for in the Marines. He was looking for you know, that rigid, like, structure, and he said he's kind of gotten that in prison, so he actually feels kind of okay there. And he says he's been able to, you know, make some friends and have relationships with people. He said that some of the older guys have kind of helped to mentor him and help him navigate prison, you know, like, how to avoid getting in fights with people. And if you do get in a fight with someone, what do you do? Because you can't just back down because then that makes you look weak and it's a whole thing. So he's, you know, been able to have some meaningful relationships, it seems like. He says he has nightmares about the crimes all the time and he told reporters that he just wants to be good for the rest of his life and he wants to serve God. He does make it clear that he wishes he would have been able to get mental health treatment before he went to prison. He told journalists, I'm not right in the head. I know there's something wrong with me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done this. I feel different from other people and I know I need some kind of treatment. So that is his story. I He got sentenced to 40 years. And he was, uh, what, 20 when he did it? Yes. So he could get out when he's around 60. Or if he got time off for good behavior, he could get off, you know, in his 50s. The whole thing is just really tragic. It almost seems like he's not even sure why he did it. He said he felt like he was kind of in like a zombie state, like he wasn't really there. He was very detached from what was going on. 
And he said he said he remained detached throughout the whole trial. Like he said, you know, I got sentenced to 40 years. I should feel really upset. I should feel something and I don't really feel anything. So he knows that there's, you know, something he needs some type of treatment because there is something wrong. Oh, that's so bad. I don't want this guy walking around. And I also, it's so weird to have any type of compassion for these people that can do this. And I still do. And I, but I really don't at the same time. And I, I'm so confused. Yeah, it confuses me too. It's really hard to, there's like this cognitive dissonance of like, it seems like this person was not, you know, fully there, not fully aware of what he was doing and his behaviors and how his actions are going to affect people around him and himself. But then on the other hand, it's like he bought a gun two days prior and then he used it to shoot both of his parents. It was premeditated for sure. So it seems like he did kind of know what he was doing and it seems really dangerous to have someone out on the street who shot both their parents that seems like maybe they could do something like that again so it is really hard to reconcile those two ideas and figure out what is what is fair what is justice what is going to be best for society but i mean we see a lot of violent criminals who you know eventually get released or you know maybe not so much with murder but it seems like a lot of rapists you know get out after not that long or people who commit domestic violence and then it escalates to more so it just it is a really scary thing to think about it is and you know talking about having empathy for people like that like we were just talking about the other day if anyone listening has listened to the larry nassar episode then you know that i was a victim out of hundreds of women um, of Larry Nassar. And I told my story in, I think, the seventh episode. But he just got stabbed in prison um, a couple days ago. And I think altogether he got stabbed like nine or ten times. He got stabbed in the neck, the back, and the chest, I think. And when I heard the news, like, I know a lot of people hear it and they're like, hell yeah, like, you know, And I get that. I do get that, especially being a victim of him. But at the same time, it also just feels like this like never ending drama. And it confuses me because I somehow do still have some empathy towards this man who victimized and hurt me and victimized and hurt hundreds of other women. And I like I wrote in uh, an Instagram post that we posted on the Dark Origins Instagram, which we don't use very often, but we should start using it more often. But I said, like, I imagine how scary that was for him. And it's like, I just, I don't even know how to describe the the feeling. The one thing that I do know is that it definitely triggers my PTSD, but mm. it just feels like this chain of trauma and it is really hard again I have this like cognitive dissonance like yeah he hurt me and hundreds of other women I want him to get hurt but then on the other hand I'm like no I don't because I don't wish pain and suffering upon anyone no matter what they've done that's because you're a good human it's just hard to like navigate all of that but um the other thing too is like and I mentioned this in the Instagram post as well is 
I want him to have to stay alive for as long of his sentence as possible because that to me is justice, you know. Yep. Um, other people in the who've been involved in the case and who were much more involved in hurting a specific group of the victims because he was their coach, he was able to just trigger warning for suicide. He was able to shoot himself and um, evade getting arrested and put in prison for a long time. So, you know, that is not fair. He should have had to go to prison, and that's how I feel. I'm talking about John Gettert, but um, he was not my coach, so I feel a lot more for the women whose coach he was because I know that he put them through a lot of trauma and a lot of pain. But he was definitely involved in helping Larry continue his crimes. And, um, yeah, I just think that it it just kind of ties into this as well because there is this part of Josh that you do feel some empathy for. You know, the child in him who was abused and who didn't deserve what what was happening to him. And then you wonder, you know, how aware was he of what he was doing? Yeah. And that is what makes it scary, you know, thinking about him potentially being able to get out in the future. But I guess ultimately that is what our justice system is supposed to be for. We're supposed to be able to rehabilitate people and he seems joke. to show remorse. That's yeah. not what our prison system does. It does right. not rehabilitate people. It I mean, some people it, it probably does. Okay. The majority of people seem right. to be victimized by it and used for cheap labor for, you know. Oh, yeah private companies but yeah that's a whole nother topic yeah so we'll we'll get into that another day there actually are though other cases like i mentioned who used successfully used the matrix defense which we probably will talk about again at some other point i was going to put them all in here but then i realized that that was going to be way too long of an episode oh this one's already a long one (laughs) so i didn't do that but um we'll probably talk about them at some point in the future well, I look forward to that. And Gabby, thank you for digging into this and telling me this story. And thanks for your, just your honesty, your truth. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for listening and for you, Rob. I listening. know, I know. You and thank you so much for all of the other listeners. We really, really, really appreciate you. And yeah, yeah we do. I know that this is so, so annoying, but if you have any time and you enjoy listening to our podcast, could you please give us a a rating. a rating and a review because it really, really helps us and, you know, share with your friends and all of that. Um, yeah, we really want to be able to keep doing this. So please do what you can to help support. Yes, Thank you. do really want to be able to keep doing this because we really enjoy doing it. Um, yep. So if you guys enjoy listening, it would mean the world to us and to everyone who has given us a rating and a review. We love you so much. We love all of you for listening, but we love you so, so much for doing that. I'm so grateful. And Thank you all so, so, so much. And yeah, so we will talk to you soon. And I love you all. Bye. Bye. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.